Well, good morning, Victor Hamilton Mill. How are we doing today, y'all? You doing good? Anybody feeling a little bloated in the house? Uh, you know, I, I do pray you guys had an awesome Thanksgiving, and if you were like us, got to get away for a little bit, uh, went down to the lake, Lake Eufaula in Sweet Home, Alabama, and uh, had some time there. I'm not going to lie, I'm very nervous about this coming Saturday. I'm just going to get that out now so we can move on. Okay, all right, all right, I hear you. All right. Holy Spirit, would you just come back in the room right now? <laughs> I do got to say, uh, Pastor Jared, I was telling him, I love me some Jared in the house. And, and I, that's happened to me a million times. And you, it will happen here, I promise you, as your pastor. And I make up words. Like, when I'm really passionate, I get going. And it's so anointed, though, it will transfer into your mind as English. And one time in a packed place at a youth conference, I was just speaking and going. I mean, literally, I had the memory come up with Jerry when you were sharing, or actually, you had a brain freeze. And, uh, and I, I, was, I was like, we were talking about spiritual warfare, and I was trying to say that the devil will wipe you out. But what came out was, the devil will wipe your butt clean. <laughs> but no one laughed. And in this huge auditorium, one young person was, I literally heard it from the platform to the back, one young person was like, isn't that a good thing? I mean, and, it, and everybody died laughing, and I can't tell you how the message and ministry went the rest of the time. I, I hope God moved. I, I don't know, but so I'm believing that what I'm going to say today is going to be inspired by the Holy Spirit. Are you ready for the word this morning? Amen. Amen. We are not going to let a turkey hangover hold us back. Or hinder us from hearing the word this morning. So uh, God helped the 9 a.m. So for sure, they were having a serious turkey hangover. Hey, before we dive in, if you have your Bible, go ahead and turn to Luke chapter 15. Luke chapter 15, as Pastor Jared said, we are in a new series called Home. But before we dive into that, let's look back. Somebody say, go way back. 2021 is almost over. Let me take a good shot real quick. Go ahead, son. You got one more time? Okay, yeah, there. Okay, uh, I never get a good shot, so I told him next time I'm going to stop for a second, but it's over there. So anyway, um, 2021, the Lord gave our pastor two words that were burning in his heart. He shared it with us at the beginning of the year, uh, shared it with the staff even before the year started, and we've just been going every month into this thing called emancipating greatness. Can we say it together? Emancipating greatness. Not your greatness or my greatness, but the greatness of Jesus Christ in us and through us to the world around us. And so we've looked at all kinds of subjects. I'll just throw a few out. We looked at for a month of forgiveness. We looked at offense. We looked at the subject of prayer. We looked at the subject of holiness and even money. Yes, we talked about money in church. Come on. And then we ended even last month. We talked about strongholds and ending those cycles of sin. All under the umbrella of health. Somebody say health. This whole year has been focused internal on us inside because next year in 2022, we're going to continue emancipating greatness, but it's focusing on outside, the world around us, our backyard, our neighborhood, our community, and literally around the world. So we're going to continue that. So today, somebody say today. If you're new, I'm going to have you talk back to me here and there. Today, we're starting this series called Home. Come on, there's no 
place like home. And we're talking about the heart of our Father. And we're going to focus on the love of our Heavenly Father. And let me just preface this as you're getting ready to take notes because you bunch of crazy, awesome note takers in the room. Um, it will help you. When you write it down, it helps you get it or you type it on your phone. Because I'm going to give you three truths out of the very popular parable of the prodigal son that we're going to look at in just a moment. But here's the thing about knowledge and knowing. There's a difference between knowing that God loves you and experiencing the love of God. I want to say that again. There's a big difference between knowledge. I know God loves me. God loves me. This I know for the Bible tells me so. I know that. But there's a difference between knowledge and knowing his love and experiencing his love every day. Amen? Amen. Hey, let me just say this real quick. I'm going to pause for a second uh, just because of what I'm seeing. We are packed in here at 11 a.m. And I want you to know, especially if you're a veteran of this house, we have two other services at the 9 and the 1 p.m. Because I'll just say this to you. A lot of times guests, especially first-time guests, they'll always come to the 11 a.m. I know that's just the perfect time, right? You get to sleep a little bit, go whatever else. But we, are, we got seats here and there. But the last three weeks, we've had hardly any seats. And people come in, they're like, hey, where, where, where am I? You know, so would you help us, help me, help you, help somebody, all right, that if you could, if you have the wherewithal, if you could possibly go to a nine or a one as we have more and more people come in. Come on, this is a good problem, amen? So um, you're like, yeah, I don't like that. I'm not moving. That's okay. That's okay. I just had to throw it out there. Somebody has heard the Lord. I know. Anyway, we're talking about the love of God. Back on the message. Somebody say the love of God. The love of our Father. You can know about his love. But do you experience it? I want to give you a scripture to back that up. Ephesians. We're going to live in Luke 15, but Ephesians says this, 3, verses 16 through 19. You don't have to turn there. It's right here on the screens. I pray, Paul says this to the church of Ephesus, but he says it to us today. I pray that from his glorious, unlimited resources, he, who's he? God, will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. Then, somebody say then. Then Christ will make, I love this, his home in your hearts as you trust in him. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. Your roots will grow, grow down into God's love and keep you strong. And may you have the power to understand, come on, read this sentence with me, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love is. Then look at this, verse 19. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully. Then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and the power, the power that comes from God. There's knowledge and then there's knowing, intimately knowing the love of God and experiencing the love of God. And I'm not talking about at a Sunday morning service, though you can truly have an experience with God. I'm talking about God wants you to experience his love each and every day. That's why you don't ever want to bump the most appointment of the day is your time with God. Whether you do it in the morning, in the afternoon, or at evening, that time is a beautiful, rich time with just you and Jesus. 
and you can experience his love, and also you can walk throughout the day in his love. Amen? So we're going to drill down on this love, looking at the very popular parable, as I said earlier, the parable of the lost son, or the, uh, what you would know it as, the prodigal son. Interesting, though, the story has two lost boys in it. So what we're going to do for the next four weeks is we're going to look at this parable, but we're going to look at it from four different perspectives. Most of us in the room have heard only what I'm going to talk about today, and me included. And we're, then next week, we're going to look at the older son, Then the next week, we're going to look at Jesus, who's telling the story. And then the final week, leading up to Christmas, we're going to look at the Father. Four different characters in this story about the the parable of the lost son, or really the lost sons. So if you're taking notes today, the title of my message this morning is A Prodigal Son. Not the prodigal son, a prodigal son. We'll look at the older brother next week. Have I prayed? (laughs) Uh, interrupted my train of thought earlier. I'm going to pray. Father, I thank you for this word. I ask you to help us now, uh, Lord, just to be able to give full attention and heart to your word. And Holy Spirit, would you once again help me speak, but also help me highlight and brag on my Father's love for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said Amen. And if I prayed twice, that's okay. It's double portion. All right. I want to take a moment before we read Luke 15 and just brag on our father. How many people can agree with me that our father is a good, good father? Amen. He's a good father. He's a perfect father. Come on. I want you to think about if it wasn't for our father's love, none of us would be in the room today. Some of us, including myself, probably wouldn't even be alive. The Father's love, what he's done for us. Look, he took, I'm speaking for me, but I'm speaking for all of us in the room. He took a mess and he created beauty out of it. He took for some of us, me included, where I was down in the heap of ashes and created something beautiful. Look, I'm nothing without him, but I'm something with him. I'm nobody without him, but I'm somebody in him. And I'm speaking for you and me. We serve a good heavenly father. Think about the mercies that he's poured out on our lives. Did you know this morning when you woke up, mercy was there to greet you? Brand new mercy. Mercies are new every, come on, say it with me, every morning. Whether we think it about it or not, his mercy is there to greet us. It's a new day, every day with our father because of his love, his unfailing love. I could, I could brag on him. I don't know how you pray, but my natural lean when I pray is actually, I pray to Jesus a lot. I pray to the Holy Spirit a lot, but my natural lean is to my Father. I, I literally will pray out. If somebody's in a group and they say, hey, uh, Chris, will you pray? I'll just, Father, I, it just, it's my natural lean. Um, everybody has different leans, but the fact of the matter is we have a Father who deeply, deeply loves us, and he wants to lavish his love on us each and every day. That's the Father. And knowing his love, that un, come on, let me just say, the unfailing, the unending, the unconditional love of our Father, knowing that, put, I'll put this right here on the screen for you, has sustained me and Lisa personally, I know you could put your name there, through very dark, painful seasons in our lives. Hello, anybody else with me? I'm not talking about knowledge. 
I'm talking about knowing his love and experiencing his love has saved my life, has saved my marriage, has saved our family through dark, painful seasons. That's the power of knowing him intimately, knowing his love, walking in the revelation of experiencing his love daily. It's that love that will sustain us, sustain our lives. And let me tell you this, because of that experience of knowing his love, I, I'll, I'll say it to you like this. In turn, I respond with my life loving people the way the Father loves me. Well, that's my goal anyway. Living in that love. Leading from that love. I'll even say this, preaching from that love. I preach like a father, I live like a father, I lead like a father. That's the goal as we experience him. Not just me, you put your name there. When you experience and come to understand and recognize and take in the love of your father, it changes everything. It change, No more striving, no more proving, no more working. You can just rest in who you are in him and in his love. Amen? And somebody might say, you know, well, Pastor Chris, of course you love and lead and live as a father. You're a dad. you got three kids. No, no, no. Any male can be a daddy. You can be a daddy and not know the father's love. God is calling each and every one of us as sons and daughters to know his love, to experience his love, and to walk in his love. Amen? And let me just say this real quick. Maybe you're here today, as, as you know, we're going into this series about the Father's love. And when you hear the word Father, or you hear the word Dad, or Daddy, maybe you wince inside just a little bit. You might grit your teeth just a little bit. No one would know. Or maybe there's just a little pain flare that goes off when you hear those words. And I just want to say to you as your pastor and as your brother, I'm sorry for whatever you've experienced, all of us. In some way, even as a parent, I failed my kids at times. So good or bad experiences, we relate a lot of times to our Heavenly Father through our experiences with our earthly fathers. But can I just say this to you today? If you're in that place, I'm talking about two different people. One is an earthly dad who is human, who will fail us, who at times, maybe because of our story, left us or whatever else caused us pain. I'm not talking about that dad. I'm talking about the perfect heavenly father who will never fail you, who will never leave you, who will always be there, and who will always love you. But because of the reality of what I'm talking about, I want to ask you that if you struggle with that, and it's okay, by the way, as long as you're giving it over to God, if you struggle with that, I'm going to ask that the Holy Spirit would help you specifically because I was there. I was there for a long time with my dad in my young years. And I actually blamed him for most of what was actually me. Anybody been there before? Anyway, I would ask that you, with the help of the Holy Spirit, be able to lay that filter down throughout this series so you can hear and receive the true love of your Heavenly Father. Amen? Amen. Hey, that's the whole reason Jesus came. Jesus came to reveal and reconcile the Father to us. But we've got to understand the way that we look at things. Jimmy Evans says this, we can only get as close to God as our image of God will allow. 
I'll say that again. We can only get as close to God as the image of God, as our image of God will allow. So we're just saying whatever filters we have on toward God that are not biblical, that are not right, that are unfair to him, God, would you help us drop those earthly filters, even those lies of the enemy, so we can, come on, so we can receive the love of a perfect father. Amen? Amen. Well, Jesus brings us to this story here in Luke 15. Look down at verse 11. Interesting note, Catholics don't even call this story anything about the sons. They call this story the parable of the forgiving father. I thought that was interesting. They don't even focus on the sons. They focus all on the father. Truly, it is all about the father. But let me give you some context before we read verse 11. Sinners are coming out of the woods to hear Jesus. The lost are being found. People are being healed, set free, delivered. Great things are happening. The Bible even points out the beginning of chapter uh, uh, 15 in Luke. It says notorious sinners were coming to Jesus. They were coming to hear him. Tax collectors and drunkards and adulterers and just sinners, lost people are coming to hear Jesus. And you would think the religious leaders of that day would be like, yes, yes. But no, they were ticked off. Why? Because honestly, they were jealous, but they're angry, and they're even saying things like, this Jesus, he even eats with sinners. By the way, do you know Jesus was called friends of sinners? He was called a friend of sinners, and so they're, they're angry, they're upset, and so Jesus, in this chapter, tells three stories about finding lost things, a lost sheep, a lost coin, and today we're going to focus on a lost son. Are you there? Luke chapter 15. Okay, three of you, good. Let's dive in together. We'll just have a trio. All right. All right. 15 verse 11. And by the way, let me just give you a little nugget here. This is going to be different. I'm a preacher, but I'm going to teach this. We're going to dissect some scripture. So I'm going to do a little uh, start and stop on this because there's major points that we could miss. Plus, in the middle of this, I'm going to give you three major truths that are going to come from this story that many of us know, but may it be brand new to us as we go there together. Here we go, verse 11. Jesus said, remember, he's talking to the religious crowd. He's, got a, he's drilling down on some things here, the love of his father. To illustrate, the, to illustrate the point further, Jesus tells them this story. A man had two sons. The younger son told his father, I want my share of your estate now before you die. Let's just pause on that for a second. I want you to hear that again. Imagine you were the parent, you're alive, and the son is saying this to you. I want my money now. I know I'm supposed to get it when you die, but I want my share of your estate now before you die. Church, this was the most disrespectful thing that any son could say then and any son could say to a father now. It was an insult it was a slap in the face. Culturally speaking, it was a big, huge no-no. You did not do this in that culture that time. But as I was talking this out with my, my bride last night on the couch, actually, if, if, if one of my sons came to me and said that, I'd be like, who, who do you think you are? You know, I'd be like, what? And, um, but the fact of the matter is this father, is this son is coming to him, and he is literally insulting his father. And he's basically, if you drill down on it, he's telling his father, 
hey, I, I want your stuff. I don't want you. And actually, theologians drill down this. And basically what he was saying is, I wish you were dead. I wish you were dead. Give me my money. Give me my share of the estate. Just like yourself, the hearers at that time, the religious leaders, they're like pulling their hair out because this was a, this was, you don't do this. This was not the way of doing things. This was not the right thing to do. And so, but they're even more astonished at what the father does next. Look at this. We'll continue on. So his father, the young son, his father agreed. Shockingly, he agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. Now again, pause for a moment. This was embarrassing to him. This was supposed to happen after he died. He'd have worked out the paperwork in the will. But here's his son saying, hey, give me my share of the estate. More was going to go to the oldest son. That was the way it was historically. All right. And so, but the son got his portion and he agrees to that, which he didn't have to. Actually, in that time, the thing to do, would, the father would have literally grabbed his son by the collar and threw him out of the house verbalizing some nice things to him on the way out. Come on, anybody ever have your dad say, my dad said this to me one time in a matter of heat, we were going at it. He said, I brought you into this world and I can take you out. And it was real scratchy there then, just like that. And I was like, all right, whatever, you know. But this father had every right to do that. He had, more, he had a lot more right to do a lot more but this father, as embarrassing and as rejected as he felt, he agrees. All right. I think the father knew something a little bit about his son, but he agrees to give it to him. Let's go on. Verse 13. Are you still with me? Oh, good. We've grown a little bit. Our trio has, has grown. Verse 13. A few days later, this younger son packed all his belongings and moved to a distant land. He is getting as far away from his father that he can. And there, he wasted all his money in wild living. About that time, ironically, about that time, uh, his money ran out. A great famine swept over the land, and he began to starve. He persuaded a local farmer to hire him, and the man sent him into his fields to feed pigs. The young man became so hungry. This is when you know you're really, really hungry. He became so hungry that even the pods he was feeding the pigs looked good to him. And then this little last sentence here, but no one gave him anything. There's a lot here, and we don't have time to just go all into it. But this son distanced himself as far as he could from his father. Actually, he, a Jew, was in a foreign land, which was, again, a no-no. He's working, he's, he's been parting with foreigners, Gentiles. This was before the Holy Spirit and the church exploded and we all became one. So there was a great distinction and a separation between these two races. Major racism between the Gentiles and the Jews. So he's over there partying with, the Jew, uh, partying with the Gentiles, waste all his money with the Gentiles, finds a Gentile to work for him. I mean, it's gone from bad to worse. 
then literally he is feeding pigs, which is not kosher at all for Jews. Hello. And then, of, on top of all that, one day he is in the mud with the pigs, in the junk, with all the stuff, throwing out the pods, and he's like, hmm, I'm starving. This is actually looking pretty good. We're talking low of lows. He's at his worst place. I told you I was going to give you three truths. Here's truth number one if you're taking notes. Truth number one, the Father's love gives us free will. The Father's love gives us free will. If we look back at what I just read, the Father's love gives us free will. Let me just say this to you, what you know already. The Father does not want a bunch of robots. If he wanted to, he could make each and every one of us stand up right now and lift our hands whether we felt like it or not. But that's not what he does. If he wanted to, he could make me bow down right now and kiss the ground and stay on the ground as long as he said at a snap of his fingers. That's not what he does. Could he do it? Absolutely. He's all-powerful God. But he gives us the choice of free will. He gives us the choice of uh, literally two ways. My way or God's way. And how many people know, side point on this regarding free will, God's ways are always the best ways. Hello. If you're a Mandalorian fan, this is the way. Okay? Somebody's like, what's a, what's a Mandalorian? You know, another, another conversation. But the fact of the matter is, this is the way is always God's way. And God's ways are always the best ways. My ways are no good. And I'm telling you, this younger son is the story of my life. My much younger years, I was the younger son. Maybe many of us can relate with this younger son. Whether women in the room or men in the room, we can relate and say, this was us. I did this. I ran from God. I ran from home. I did my own thing. I did my own way. Hey, I just want to tell you, Frank Sinatra was wrong when he said, it's my way. It's, he was wrong. My way will get us into trouble. My way will get us into destruction. My way will lead us to death. How do I know that? Proverbs 14, 12 says this. There is a way. Somebody say way. There is a way that seems right to a man. It seems right, but it ends, but its end is the way of death. There's a way. And listen to me, church. When we choose our own way, we will end up in places we were never meant to be. I got to say that again because it came from my bride last night when we were talking out the message. I was like, that's gold. I'm going to use it. She said this, when we choose our own way, we will end up in places we were never meant to be. Some of us today, or those who are watching online, may be in places, spiritually speaking, that it is the location that God never told you to go. It, you, are in, you may be in a relationship that God said no, but you're saying yes. You may have taken a, a uh, promotion. God said, wait, you jumped right in because, hey, the money speaks. Whatever the situation is, God's ways are best. And I'll just tell you this also, God's ways don't always make sense, but his ways are still best. There is a way that seems right. Well, of course I should take this promotion. It's more money. That's what we've been asking God for. But I'm telling you what, been there, done that. Sometimes God may have you take a 
demotion to give you later a promotion because it was all of his way to do a work in you. It was a better way. It was a higher way. His ways are best. Amen? But God gives us free will. He lets us go. The baptism's talking to us right now. Uh, He lets us go. And says, okay, I love you. And by the way, when we wander away from God, and by the way, the Bible says all of us like sheep have wandered. All of us have wandered away. Can I tell you, though, even though we leave God, God will never leave us. His love is so good to us. Just like that young son, when he was at his worst, when he was at his worst, like what? When he was at his worst, I'm about to read about him coming to his senses. God was right there with him. And when you're at your worst, when you're at the bottom of the barrel, metaphorically speaking, when you're, when, whenever, when you're at your lowest, God is right there to pick you back up. Even though we left him, we walked away from him, he is saying, come back home. Come back home. Come back to me. Amen? Let's go back into Luke 15. Are you still with me? All right, verse 17. When he finally came to his senses, aren't you thankful that we come to our senses By the grace of God, when he finally came to his senses, the young man said to himself, at home, even the hired servants, the hired men have enough food, have food enough to spare. And here I am dying of hunger. I will go home to my father and say, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you. So he's preparing a speech for his dad. And I want to highlight this because this is what I used to think a long time ago. Verse 19, and I am no longer worthy of being called your son. And I am no longer worthy of being called your son. Please take me on as a hired man or a hired servant. Can I tell you, in myself, I am not worthy. But because I'm in Jesus and because of the blood of Jesus that was paid for me, I am worth it. And I am worthy. And you are worthy because of the blood of Jesus. Over here, I got nothing. I'm nobody. But with Jesus, I'm worthy. I'm counted worthy. And I'm somebody in him because of his love that actually laid on a cross. Amen. Now this this is, uh, this is huge right here. As I said, the younger son has hit the low of all lows, the worst of the worst. But it is at this point that he comes to his senses. He is, he is sitting, I picture it, he is sitting in the mud with the pigs, throwing out the pods, looking at it, going, I'm starving, I'm starving. And he is awoken. Something wakes up in him. He comes out of this comatose, rebellious lifestyle. All the debauchery and all the stuff he was doing All those things. He never repented. He never felt anything in that moment. He was living it up, doing what he wanted to do. But here he is suffering. Can I tell you, sometimes it takes us when we're suffering and we're the low of all lows and we find ourselves in a mess that we created. Hello. We created this mess, but we blame God. But we did it. God's like, I I didn't, I didn't tell you to walk away from me. I didn't tell you to do these things. But we created that mess. We wanted my way. But here we are as the younger son, and we're in the mud, and we're like, oh, God, what have I done? And literally, it's almost like a tardy repentance. 
All the other things he had done through that time, we don't know how long it went, but he was living it up. He had pretty good money. We don't know how much, but it was a part of an estate, so it was a lot of money. He wasted it all. He's even working now to the bone, making pennies. He's still in rebellion, but here he is one day looking at the pig food and says, I've sinned against God. I've sinned against my father, and I guarantee you, like all of us in the room, the enemy begins to play that movie of what he said to his father on that day. Come on, how many of us, no hands needed, but how many of us have said awful things in the past to people that we love? How many of us have done awful things? I'm guilty as charged. But by the grace of God and the mercies of the Lord and the forgiveness of our sins and the love of Jesus, he can heal us from all those things. And we come to our senses and we go back to these ones And we repent. I am so sorry for what I said. I am so sorry for what I've done. Side note, have you noticed a lot of times we hurt the ones that we love the most? Got to recognize and understand that this son, he's coming out of this, I just call it a comatose state of complete rebellion against God. And he's like, I can't, I can't go home and be a son. I'm not worthy. I'm no longer a son. And you know what? He was right. Culturally speaking, he could never go back and be the son in the house. Culturally, at that time, he couldn't go back. He would have to be a hired man. That was the only way he could go back. Because in that time, historically and culturally, you had to pay full restitution if you're going to even be seen with the family again, if you did something like this. This was a big deal. So he knew that. So he's like, I'm not even worthy of being a son. I'll just go to my father and say, would you hire me? I'll live in town, come back and forth every day to work, and I'll pay you back for what I've done. And church, can I say before we uh, end this story in the final few verses here, I'm afraid that's what many of us do at times. We feel like we gotta pay God back for our past. But can I tell you, God already paid everything for you in full with the blood of his son. There's probably in there somewhere a good thought like, I need to pay for what I've done. Oh my gosh, I've done so much. I want to pay my father back. But that's not the way it works with a loving God. That's not the way it works with a loving father. He gave up his son so we don't have to work to be in relationship with God. We don't have to earn a relationship with God. We have a relationship with God because of his son, Jesus. And let me just say it to you like this. Works never leads to a relationship. Relationship with Christ actually leads to good works. Let's not confuse the two. Works doesn't end in a relationship. A relationship with God, a relationship with Jesus Actually, the outcome of that is good works. I want to do good things because of my love and his love for me. I don't do good things to get his love. I've already got his love. And in getting his love and understanding his love, I'm going to do good things. Do you get that? Big difference. Big difference. But Chris, I've done too much. Too many failures. Too many mistakes. I've lost too much. And yet God says, I love you. Come back to me. God says, I'll make everything new. Right here, Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, look on the screen. 
God saved you by his grace when you believed. You can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward. Here we go. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, so none of us can boast about it. Salvation is all about what Jesus did. Jesus did on the cross and through his resurrection. See, this is the best news that you and I in this room and those who are watching us online today, it's the best news for any of us. We don't have to earn. We don't have to work for our relationship with God. Because, look right here on the screen, because if you could pay God back, then you would spend the rest of your lives, your rest of your life working as a slave instead of living as a son. Man, I got I to say that again. If there was this whole earning and working to get in right standing with God, because if you, I just got to pay him back. Because if you could pay God back, then you would spend the rest of your life working as a slave instead of living as a son. How many people in the room here, you want to live. You don't want to work. You want to live for God. You don't have to work for God. He wants you to live for him. Church, listen, he died not so we could have heaven one day, but that we could live for him today. He died so that we could live. We don't have to work as a slave. We can live as sons and daughters of the king. Amen? Amen. Coming down to the end of the story, verse 20. So the young son returns home to the father. I imagine it had to be a little bit of a trek, a little bit of a journey. Now look at this picture. This is beautiful. It's my, one of my favorite passages of Scripture in the entire Bible. That's why I underlined it. And while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. Whew. You know what that tells you and me? The father was looking for him. The father was looking for him. Each and every morning, is this the day my boy's coming home? Is this the day, each and every day, waiting, watching for his son to come home? Yes, I'm reading into the story, but you get it. The father was looking for him. And then one day, let's keep reading. While he was still a long ways off, his father saw him coming. Filled with love and compassion, not anger. Our father is not some old man in the sky who wants to beat you down over all your past mistakes. Our father is filled with love and compassion. And he runs to his son and he embraces him as filthy and dirty as his son was. And he kisses him all over. Just kisses his son. He just loves on his son. I'm a dad. I still do that. Drives my kids crazy. They're older now. I'll just come in there like, just kiss all over them. And they're like, dad, dad, dad. I'm like, you stop it. I'm loving on you. You can't do that anymore. Yes, I can. I'm dad. And they don't talk to me for like a week. But anyway, that's, but the fact of the matter is this. The, the father, get this story. Okay, this is the patriarch. Stay with me. Last few minutes. This is the patriarch. This is a wealthy man. He's known in the community. Back then, patriarchs, wealthy men, fathers, period, they did not ran, run. Excuse me. Women ran. Children ran. Youth would run. Not fathers. They didn't want to show off their leg hair. They had to pull that robe up. That's what they'd have to do because they all wore robes. So they pulled up that, he pulls up that, he doesn't care. 
He doesn't care about the image. He sees his son one day waiting, watching. That's my son. That's my boy. That's, that's my son. And he runs to him. Notice who ran to who. If anybody ought to be running, <laughs> I'd be, if I was the father, you better run over here. You know? <laughs> that's what I was thinking. You know? But no, the father runs to him, filled with love and compassion, puts a huge bear hug on him. His son is filthy. He didn't say, you need to get cleaned up. I think a lot of us think that way with God. You need to do 25 holy push-ups, read 10 chapters in the Bible, this, that. You need to fast for a week, and then you can come before me. That is not God. The Bible says something completely opposite. He says, come. Come as you are. Come to me. The Spirit of God beckons for us as children. Come. Just come. Come as you are. Come, come filthy. Come dirty. I know you've been wondering. I know you've been selfish. I know you've been doing your own thing. Just come to me. The power of what I'm saying in this moment. We serve a God who never will push us back. Oh, get away from me, you filthy thing. No. He pulls us in and he embraces us and he pours out love on us. Just as his father kisses all over his son. Look at this, verse 21, last three verses. He said to his son, or excuse me, his son said to him, here's the speech, all right, he's getting the speech out. Father, he's saying the same thing, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I am no longer worthy of being called your son. And the father just interrupts him, I love it. Doesn't even let him finish his speech prepared speech. But his father said to the servants, quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. By the way, side note, the finest robe was always the father's robe. Put the, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet. He was probably bare feet by this time for his trek journey or his sandals, the leather was just eaten up. Get him new sandals, new shoes. And kill the calf we have been fattening. We must celebrate with a feast. For this son of mine was dead and now has returned to life. Can you read the last sentence with me? He was lost, but now he is found. And I love this last little sentence here. So the party began. Partay. They were celebrating. By the way, this was not any normal party. You did not kill the fattened calf. Uh, meat uh, literally was a delicacy. And so that was supposed to be this type of a party, this type of the fatted calf that had been just the, getting the calf, just getting him, get him, get him real big and fatten him up was supposed to be for the whole community. It was all for his son. That's how much the father was so glad and grateful to have his son back. Put him on a new robe. The best. Give him the very best. But dad, I don't, I don't deserve the best. Give him my robe. Put a ringer on his finger, which meant royalty. Put new sandals on his feet. He didn't even have a bath yet. Still. Get the fatted calf ready. The fatted calf. Did he say the fatted calf? Not the fatted calf. Get the fatted calf ready. We are about to party. My son was dead, but now he's alive. He was lost, but now he's found. Church, I've never met a father like that. I don't know about you, but our father, he's incredible. Truth number three as we get ready to close. 
Truth number three out of this story, the father's love misses you. The father's love misses you. What do I mean? I mean that when we go our own way, God is not in some corner, you know, angry with us. He's actually grieving for us. His heart hurts. He is a father. By the way, where do you think we get our emotions from in the first place? They come from our father. He hurts. He grieves. His heart wounds. Whatever it is, he hurts for us. He misses us. Some of us today, we are wandering. We are even maybe running. You're seated in a seat today, but you are spiritually running from God, doing your own thing. And God says to us today, come back home. I miss you, the Father says. I hurt for you. The way you're going only leads to death. What kind of father is this? I've never met a father like that. If I could close this out and I could bring language to the father, look right here on the screen. This is what he would say. I'm not going to wait on you to get cleaned up, son. Just come as you are. And you're not going to earn your way back into this family. I'm bringing you back. That's the father we serve. And then they just started partying and celebrating a found son. And can I tell you, as we close now, that's what the Father does for each and every one of us. And that's what he does for every lost person that comes to him. The Bible says in Luke 15, 10, I like the way the Passion Translation puts it. That's the way God responds right here on the screen. Every time one lost sinner repents and turns to him, he says to all his angels, Let's have a party. Let's have a joyous celebration for that one who was lost. I have found. Amen. So what would Jesus say to us today? Jesus would say this. No matter what you've done, if you don't hear anything, please hear this today. Lean in. Listen to this. This is what Jesus says to us right now. No matter what you've done, no matter what you said in anger, maybe no matter how far you're running away, he says to us today, come back home. Come home. Come home to me. He beckons us. Come. Church, we're not promised tomorrow. Today, is the day of salvation. Today is a day. You don't have to have everything figured out or get everything right, but the most important decision of your life is asking Jesus to be your Lord and Savior. But also, if you're a Christ follower in the room and this younger son represents that, he was one and he left. He left doing his own thing. He was dead, long gone dead, but he came back. He came back, and the father ran to him and embraced him. I believe knowing he knew what his son needed. I'm going to run to my boy. I want him to know that I love him, and he loved on him. I was going to do this after the song, but I feel led to do this now. Can I just ask you, everybody in this room, could you just, 
bow your head for a moment in this moment here? The worship team's going to take us in a song, but I just feel so strong in my heart from the front to the back, all across this room right now. If you're here today and you're running from God, you're wandering, you're doing your own thing, and I just want to just real quick set the record straight. All of us have been there at times in our life. You are not alone. There's nothing wrong with you. We are all selfish at times. We all do our own thing. Been there, done that. I could write the book on it to see how God healed me from all that. So there's no judgment in this room. There's no pointing fingers. You're in a safe place. You're in family, but you're also in the presence of a loving father who just wants you to come home. I'm not here to embarrass you in any way. But this is a moment of decision for some people in the room. Today is a day that you could say, you know what? I'm coming back to Jesus. I've been doing my own thing. I've been doing life my way. But today I'm going to surrender. I don't know how to get all this figured out. I'm going to I'm gonna have to go step by step. But the most important moment right now is now. God is saying, come back to me. Your father is whispering, just like he did to me many years ago. And just like he does sometimes when I just kind of get off just a little bit. Son, come back, come back. So if you're here today, and you've been running from God, doing life your way, I want to ask you just to lift your hand. Say, hey, that's me, Pastor. Will you pray for me? Then you can put it back down. Pastor, that's me today. I've been doing life my way from the front to the back. Yeah, God sees hearts everywhere. You're lifting your hand, but God sees a heart. Anybody else? I've been doing life my way. I've been wondering. Look, you could be going to church here forever. You can love God and still in some way begin doing your own thing and find yourself in the wrong place. So I'm going to ask one more time. I can't skip it. This is the most powerful moment right here. It's decisions. If you're here today, you're not doing this for me. You're doing this for your father. Yeah, God, you're acknowledging to God, Lord, I've been living life my way. Forgive me. Anybody else all across this room? Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Oh, we never met a father like you, God. We've never met a father like you. You're so good to us. You're so good to us, God. We've never met a father, Lord. We've never met a father like you. Come on, I want to ask you, everybody in the room, would you pray with me this prayer? Many people raise their hands, but I want all of us together to pray. Say, Father, I come to you today confessing that I've been running my life my way. I repent of my rebellion and from wandering from you. Come on, say it like you mean it. I return to you today, recommitting my life to Jesus. Renew my heart. Restore the joy of your salvation. And help me be all that you call me to be. Thank you, Lord, for always believing in me, for always being there, for always loving me, and for always welcoming me home. In Jesus' name I pray. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. Come on, let's thank our Father. Let's stand together. We serve a beautiful Father. There's no one like Him. 
The worship team is going to lead us in a song, a very familiar chorus, maybe to some of you. Let the words sink into your heart today. And let me just tell you, worship is a response. When we worship our Father, when we worship King Jesus, everything in us responds. So I want to encourage you, let everything within you respond to the love of your Heavenly Father. Let's worship Him together.
more than letting it be words on a screen, if this connects with your heart and you can really sing this to the Lord, like let's make this personal, I just invite you to close your eyes and lift up your hands and worship the Lord right now with all of your heart, all of your soul, your mind, and your strength and give Him all that you've got right now. And just confess this over your life, over your heart. I've never met a father who loves quite like you. I've never met a father with such grace and truth. I've never met a father who will walk me through any storm of this life and whisper. One more time, come on. Sing, I've never met a father loves quite like every voice lifted up saying, I've never met a father such grace and truth. I've never met a father 